Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I am not a priest. At least that's not my title. It's not a title that I would use as one who leads a congregation. But Luther, in the scriptures, we would argue, actually teach that we are all priests. That is, we are all called to do the work of God and to represent God in our daily vocations. More on that in a little. But first, I want to look at our reading from Hebrews, where we hear about Jesus being a high priest and try to figure out what in the world that means. The author of Hebrews is at pains to make the case that in Christ, the sacrificial system that we see in the Old Testament has been fulfilled. It has come to an end. He was probably writing this, by the way, before 70 AD when the temple uh, was destroyed. So therefore, he's writing it at a time when these sacrifices are still going on and saying that if you follow Christ, you don't need to participate in those sacrifices anymore. You see, there is no more need for priests. And so that explains why in the New Testament, those who lead the New Testament church are not called priests. They are called overseers or bishops or pastors, shepherds. Now, it is true that in some Christian traditions, the word priest is still used. So why is it the case that in the Reformation traditions, this word stopped being used. Luther himself, for example, was called a Catholic priest, but by the end of his life, he no longer went by the title priest. Why not? Well, let's think about what an Old Testament priest would do. He was basically an expert butcher. He was good at receiving an animal, slaughtering it, and making it present or, or, or right for the for the altar in the temple or the tabernacle, where that offering would be burned, or they would bring grain to be burned at the tabernacle or the temple, and that's really what they would do. There was not an expectation that the priest would get to know the people, pastor them, shepherd them, find out how they're doing, that sort of thing. Nope, their job was when people came to the temple, they were unclean. By the end of it, they needed to be clean. What happened in between? Something got burned. Something got slaughtered, and the priest's job was to do it. Now, ideally, the people would bring their prized bull. So you didn't just get to bring the worst one. You know, you had to bring, like, the best lamb you had, nice bird, whatever you could afford. But you brought the best bull, say, to the temple, and you would see it you know, slaughtered before your very eyes and cut up and burned on an altar. Now, that's enough to make any grown man cry. And so the idea was that you it would inspire repentance, that you would see the demands of a holy God, what had to be done for you to be considered clean in the eyes of God. And then you would say to yourself, gosh, this God is holy. Gosh, I should amend my ways. I should amend my life. I should seek righteous living. So it wasn't 
just a pro forma thing where something dies and then you're made clean. It was supposed to indicate to you, I need to live right because there is a sacrifice required for the forgiveness of my sins. But as far as the priest was concerned, one's heart being in the right place and all of that, he didn't care. Wasn't his problem. Now, the sacrificial system was good. It was instituted by God. I'm not mocking it at all. It's holy. It's just that it's now obsolete. It's been fulfilled in Christ. In the book of Hebrews, this is why the author of Hebrews is saying, Jesus is the high priest. And Jesus also is the sacrifice. Jesus also is the temple. Remember what Jesus says about himself. Destroy the temple, and in three days I will rebuild it. And John tells us that Jesus is referring to the temple of his body. Therefore, the work of the church is no longer to offer these rites, these religious rites, so that we can feel better about ourselves. Now the work of the church is is really about believing and desiring to know God and to love God and in turn to love our neighbor. You see, we are free from the sacrificial system. We are free from the work of priests. Now we are all priests doing the work of God. This was a break from the old, cold, pro forma sacrificial system. Now Hebrews goes on to connect Jesus to this priest in Genesis uh, 14, Melchizedek. Interesting character, rarely mentioned. He's mentioned, I think, in Psalm 110 as well. And then here he comes out of nowhere in Hebrews. Who is this Melchizedek character? Well, the key is, I think, in his name. His name literally means king-priest. He is the king of righteousness. And he hails from a place called Salem, or in Hebrew, Shalom. Uh, And any Hebrew person would have understood that he then is the king of peace. So here comes the king of righteousness, and who's the king of peace, and he, in Genesis 14, offers a tithe to Abraham. And so this Melchizedek is a priest of a different kind of order. He's not a Levitical priest. Remember, the Levitical priests in the temple, they're of the tribe of Levi. That's one of the sons of Jacob. Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. So Melchizedek is like 90 years or so before Levi is ever born. And therefore, Melchizedek represents a priest who is a king, and he is also representative of all people everywhere. Remember, the covenant with Abraham is for all people. We're still living under the the Abrahamic covenant. The Mosaic covenant with the Levitical priests, that's the one that's been fulfilled. So then, in the New Testament church, we have inherited already this sacrifice, the body of Christ himself, by this priest, Christ himself, who is the temple. The work is done. Christ has been offered on the cross of Calvary. And therefore, those who have led our churches have twice opted not to use the word priest. 
The first time is in the Bible itself. The word priest is not used for those who lead the church. As I mentioned, they were overseers, uh, uh, apostles early on, bishops even. And then when the, as we like to say in our Reformation traditions, the gospel was rediscovered, the word priest stopped being used then as well. Now, even more controversial was Luther saying that all of the baptized Christians were priests. You have to understand, in the Middle Ages, that caused a problem for a lot of people. Priests were kind of in an elevated class. You know, everyone else was beneath the priest. And if you were, you know, a bishop or a cardinal or something, well, you were even higher than priests. But what Luther is saying is that all of us are representatives of God. And that's what a priest essentially does. He writes this. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit carefully avoids giving the same sacerdos, that's a Latin word for priest, to any of the apostles or to any other office. Again, in the New Testament, the apostles are never called priests. Rather, he accepts this name to the baptized or to Christians as their birthright and hereditary name. None of us is born an apostle, preacher, teacher, or pastor. But there, all of us are born solely priests. You came to church this morning. You didn't know you'd end up a priest, did you? Congratulations. We'll have a ceremony after the service. Now, what does this mean that we're all priests? Well, this is common called the priesthood of all believers, You may have heard that phrase if you're a lifelong Lutheran, the priesthood of all believers. And this comes from a reading in 1 Peter, the third chapter. Peter writes this about Christian believers. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So what are you? You are a royal priesthood. Christ is the priest. You are under him. You are part of the priesthood. And so Luther doesn't mean that we all do priestly church work. It means that you represent God in your ordinary vocations. And this is what would have been really odd in the medieval period. Luther says that the milkmaid, the shoemaker, the mother raising the children... They are all priests, and they are, as they do their work, offering a profound service to their neighbor, equal to that of the priest at the church. Well, gosh, the priest thought he was like offering you heaven on a you know platter or something, and you're just changing a dirty diaper. How could Luther equate those two things? Well, because when you love your neighbor, you're representing God to them, and that's what a priest is and does. Well, some will ask, what about those Christian leaders who still go by the word priest? Well, I'll ask rhetorically in response. In those traditions, does that priest act as a kind of middleman between man and God? Is he someone who has a kind of sacrificial system to offer to people as a way to be made right with God? And can he, and only he, be the person to effectuate that system? If so, 
I believe that is why the word priest is retained by some, because the office is still seen as being a person in between men and God, whereas we understand that Christ being the high priest, offering the sacrifice, we are now freed from such a system. Those traditions that understand that we all have services to render to our neighbor in the name of God, well, that's why those church leaders are called heralds and pastors and proclaimers and dedicated workers. That's the reflection of the freedom that we have from domineering and legalistic priests who would love to tell us, you can't be made right with God unless you come through me first. That's what the Reformation was about. Luther saying, I'm sorry, Jesus has done something for me on the cross of Calvary. He's the high priest. And so long as I'm good with him, I'm good with God. When the gospel is clearly understood, the very concept of the priest disappears along with it. You have freedom and access to God because of what Jesus has done for you. Jesus has done all that is necessary. There is nothing left for you to do to inherit God's favor. It is yours through trust in Christ. Therefore, you don't need a priest. A final thought. It's not just the church where language of sacrifice is offered and where you will find priests. We find priests in the secular world as well and at a quickening pace in our own time and place. Now, they don't go by the word priest, of course, but that's exactly how they function. They have a prescription for everything that is wrong with humanity. They are the ones who offer a path of repentance, and they are the ones who offer solutions so that we can all be made right and whole again. It is a completely graceless world in which there is nothing but condemnation and no path for peace. In this graceless world, which as Christianity wanes will become more and more our reality, we find self-appointed priests, and they will decide how we all must live. We must first repent of our fossil fuel consumption, of our meat eating, of our masculinity, guys, of our whiteness, of historical sins that we had nothing to do with, biblical morality and understanding of the family, that's got to go, materialism, well, and anything and everyone that might have offended someone today. Now, of course, we could all find fault with some of those things to some degree. I'm not mocking all of them. What I am saying is that there are priests found in every religion, including secular humanism, which, oh yes, is a religion. So thanks be to God that we, having been freed of the gospel, we are no longer in need of priests as office bearers. God has performed the work of the high priest once and for all, and we are now encouraged by shepherds, pastors, to receive this work in love of God and in turn love one another. Where there is sin, forgiveness is always possible. Where there is repentance, reconciliation can take place. Because we Christians have not only done away with priests, 
We live in a post-resurrection world in which there is no need for priests, either of the religious or the secular variety. And where you find conflict in the modern world today, I would suspect that you'll find no grace, no Christianity, no path of reconciliation, but rather you'll find a whole lot of secular priests who make endless demands of sacrifice and offer no hope for peace. I'm glad we have left the priesthood behind. Amen.